This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the True Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Taylor. And beauty baddies, it's nice to see you guys. I mean, I don't really see you, y'all hear me, but I just love taking this time each week to hang out with y'all. It's really the highlight of my week. Um, I don't know if I tell you that enough, but... You know, everything I do is for y'all. So what's good? How y'all doing? How's your week? It's the first week of August. We're here. All right, that's it. That's all I got for y'all. Let's jump into the show. (laughs) Today, I'm speaking with one of my favorite beauty entrepreneurs, the CEO and founder of the luxury fragrance brand, Mudo, Brianna Arps. Brianna and I spoke for the first time last summer in episode uh, 117, Perfumes and Fragrances, and I asked her to come back on to chat all things beauty, well, specifically indie beauty, fragrance, entrepreneurship, and how it feels to step up to build products for our communities because... Both of us and a lot of the people that I have on the show, honestly, you know, we build our products because we saw that nobody else was doing it. And at this phase in life, it's sort of if you look around and you see that something doesn't exist, it's because nobody's made it yet. And we are so, so, so lucky to live in a time where and a place where we have the resources and, you know, the education and the technological availability to build out things for our communities. And so... It's something that I take so much pride in, but it can be a little bit lonely. So I love to be able to chat with other people who are going through the same journey with me and just kind of catch up and, you know, shoot the shit and bring y'all all of the goods, the bad, the ugly about being in this space, being a woman of color in this space and, you know, following your dreams, how rewarding it is and how hard it is and how just the highs and the lows. So this was a lot of fun. I really loved chatting with Brianna. Before we jump into my favorite segment of the show, the induction into the Beauty Baddie Hall of Fame, I have a favor to ask of you. I think that y'all know what it is. I ask you each week. But if you find value in today's show, I would love it if you would leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. A five-star review is the easiest way for you to help me to grow our audience in this community. And that's really all that I care about these days, (laughs) just making more things for my baddies and for y'all and so that we can just live beautifully, right? (laughs) 
This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hi, my name is Brianna Arps and I am the founder and CEO of Mudo, a luxury fragrance company revolutionizing the way in which people accessorize their mood through scent. I'm so excited to speak with you today about we're going to be speaking about a lot of really exciting things. One is I didn't realize until literally 30 minutes ago that it's Black Business Month. And I found that out because of your Instagram. <laughs> I thought you knew. I thought I, you knew. No, I had no idea. You and I just happened to discuss last week, like when we were talking about what we were going to discuss today. Um, you know, we both love business and you're building this incredible business. And I just love to get in the mind of other entrepreneurs and see how everything, like how everything's coming together for you, right? Because we all are kind of forging our own path. And I think it's especially important for people of color to to uh, start to lay out the blueprint for the next people who are coming because, you know, it's funny. It's We're at the age that if you look around and you see that something isn't getting done, you know, I'm 37. It's like, if I don't see something, it's nobody's doing it, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of wild, you know, meeting people that are still the first, uh, the first black fill in the blank. So all that being said, I'm excited to speak with you so you can share all of your incredible wisdom and knowledge with our audience and with me. And I'm just excited to speak with you about fragrance period. I'm excited about all the things like, and don't forget to mention that we are going to be also talking about you and your business. Like you are doing exceptional work and not just highlighting people who are doing cool stuff, whatever, but you, my friend are also the subject. So if, if you would give me the honor to interview you, my friend, on your show. <laughs> <laughs> on your show. oh my goodness. Okay. I will give you the honor because I, <laughs> I was at an event the other day and I hated the way that I was like discussing myself. And I realized that I need to be more, I need to big up myself a little bit more. You know, I need to be more proud of my achievements and lead with them and not try to like sink into uh mediocrity. Yeah, no, not mediocrity, but like, like, you know how you like bounce the attention off, like nothing to see over here, yeah. nothing to see over here. It's not that I've been slaving away for 10 years, you know, working my little behind off, nothing to see. How are you? So yeah, yeah we're both going to take some time to uh, celebrate each other today. Sure. But first, before we talk about that, I'm excited for you to induct a couple of beauty baddies into the Hall of Fame yeah. today. I think I you have, have several. I have a lot. And I think it's come from being in this network or just being surrounded by amazing women who are just doing amazing things. Like when you um, reminded me about this portion of the show, immediately a few different people came to mind um, who I would love to emulate in, in a certain way. And, and that's just empowering people to just take up space. And I think the founder and CEO of Topicals Alama Day is the blueprint for a lot of us. You cannot talk about blueprint without mentioning the fact that she is the youngest woman to raise over $10 million in venture capital funds um, in an econ- in an economy or just in a, in a state of business where black women are getting 0.35% mm-hmm. if that 
So not even a full percentage point of all the billions of dollars that are uh, being circulated uh, through the venture capitalist like economy. Like she wait, wait, let's say that again. Not even one full percentage point. Yes, according to Forbes, and this is as of 2023, uh, February, I believe, 2023, maybe March. Black women entrepreneurs are receiving less than one percent of all the venture capitalist funds that are being circulated in this economy. And Mm -hmm. that's uh, a billion dollar, you know, economy, right? Um, When it comes to startup uh, culture, and we don't even get 1%, 0.3 something percent. So um, she has made such a a name for not only herself, but for, for all of us who look like her, who have something to say through remarkable products that are changing not only the landscape of beauty, but helping individuals, not just black women, but other individuals, everyone um, just reclaim their sense of self and kind of unsubscribe from perfection, right? So she she deserves to be up there with the Carol's Daughters of the World, with Lisa Price. Yes. Um, she deserves to be up there with the Madam C.J. Walkers of the World. And um, so I'd like to place her on that pedestal. Yes, I love that. Will you, okay, please repeat how you say her name again so I don't butcher Alamide. this. Alamide. Alamide is her first name, yes. Okay. And I do not want to butcher her last name, so I will not <laughs> disgrace her in that way. Oh, that's why. Right. Like, Alamide. say it again one more time. <laughs> she, she's killing it. Yes. She's also Forbes 30 under 30. 26 like, years old. She's 26 years woman. old. Miss Mamas is out here um, schooling. Yes. Schooling us all here. Yeah. And I am glad to uh, be taking a page out of her book every day um, and figuring out this crazy world. And there's a lot of people, though, aside from Alama Day, who um, I think uh, it's important to also mention people who I'm not aspiring to emulate, but also who are coming up there with me, who are, who are, we are, we are rising together. And that's, Ooh, there's a lot of us. There's uh, the women behind Common Air, which is a luxury skincare brand that is also clean and sustainable, but they are just really unique in how they're talking about packaging, like all their products. They have, t- they have two, I believe, hero products. They're serums and they're in these like capsules that you just tear off and like the capsules just are, they biodegrade, they're biodegradable. They just, it's just so cool to see how they're reimagining that. So the ladies of Common Air, Angela in particular, um, has taken me under her wing. She's a beauty vet. Angela and Carrie run that business. Um, she's, there's just so many. I could like literally talk about people, other people all day. I won't do that, but I want to mention Common Air. I want to mention LYS Beauty. I want to mention Topicals. I want to mention 54 Thrones. I want to mention... Ottawa Beauty, everyone who's really making and claiming their own stake in this in this industry and and uh, pulling other women up right mm-hmm. alongside with them. It's so admirable. Oh, women, all of those ladies, specifically Atawambe, yeah. welcome to the Beauty Baddie Hall of Fame. Yeah. But all the ladies that are in like the rising yeah. class, I think of like of the next level in beauty, the next era of women that are kind of really changing the beauty landscape. It's exciting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exciting and it's overdue, overdue. And I don't think I realized until I actually got in the space or not even necessarily becoming a founder CEO of my own, but working with a lot of these women who I, who I love, you know, I've, I've worked under Melissa Butler at the lip bar, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So actually seeing these women do it in real time, but realizing that like a lot of the beauty that we consume or that I had consumed up until 
being involved in this network of amazing people uh, was that beauty products that were marketed towards consumers who look like me were created by people who could not fall any further on the other side of the spectrum. So I'm talking white men um, and some, you know, stateside, but a lot in the uh, Eurocentric kind of environment when you're talking about fragrance, right? These people don't look like me. These people don't speak my language. These people may or may not have my best intentions at at heart or at hand. And the data and research shows that a lot of times they do not give no. it, you know, the ingredient story or just the kind of like political element that goes along with the beauty industry that people don't talk about. So yeah, it's nice to be learning alongside these women, but also seeing how they're um, reclaiming this, this industry Mm -hmm. that uh, we uh, have so much, you know, money invested in. We have so much money invested in it as women period, especially as women of color. I think that women of color, specifically black women, we spend 20%, 20%, but we only make up 6% of the population. That sounds right. And I would even argue a lot of that hasn't even been captured just in the way in which we consume beauty, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, where exactly are these these numbers? And I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Like the, these numbers seem so solid or just seem so arbitrary sometimes. Not even solid. They seem arbitrary because where is this data coming from? Like, are you, are we participating in these surveys? Like, where is this coming from? But yeah, we do consume so much and, and make up so little of the, the, the portion that I guess matters from a wealth generating uh, perspective. You know, it's, it's really sad. Well, it's funny that you say that because, you know, we as people of color know all of the reasons why we don't trust the government and why if somebody comes around asking questions, we don't answer them. Like, what do you mean? How yeah, many people live here? Yeah. Like that's none of your business. Right. Yeah. But I was skeptical about the census, the 2020. Census. Of course. I was like, I was like why do you, why do you, you don't need to know this business, my business. Yeah. But here's the thing is in looking for data uh, data that I knew and you know to be true on black beauty consumers because we are the consumers and because we speak yeah. to the consumers and because we've lived in this land for so many years. It's so hard to find data because mm-hmm. of that exact reason. Mm-hmm. We don't, it's my business. We don't, we don't fill out the forms. <laughs> we don't answer the questions. But if we don't fill out the forms and we don't answer the questions, then we don't have the data to back what we're yeah. saying to be true. Yeah. And this That's continues. Crazy. I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I was shocked. And, you know, I sent that's the reason I kind of flooded you with like, I found all these reports and it just took me so long. And I just want you to have them because I was shocked. I could find so much data about so much other arbitrary bullshit. How many men in, J- in Japan buy eyebrow products? Mm. Legit, mm. you know, from Statista <laughs> charts about this. But I couldn't find anything about black beauty consumers. And I was shocked because I was like, we'd be spending the money. I know that we're yeah. spending the money. So where's yeah. the data? And if we don't have the data, then we can't prove to these people that there's a market and we can't get the money. We can't get to that 1% of venture capital yeah. that we so badly yeah. need. I agree. I think I think a lot of the data points and statistics are things that we've heard over and over again. But to your point about new data, New new data, but nuanced data that gets down to the nitty gritty when you're talking about specific categories in beauty. Because to say beauty is just one thing. It's you huge. Can talk about mass beauty. We can talk about prestige, luxury. Uh, you could be talking about beauty in like a lot of different ways. And, and then beauty spans a lot of different categories. So when it comes down to, 
you know, encouraging a young entrepreneur or just an entrepreneur in general, they don't have to be young. So let me not say that, but an entrepreneur in general to run with their idea that may seem a little niche, right? Not having that data could, could dissuade them from doing that and bringing, you know, a game changing invention out into the world. So yeah, the data gap is real. The funding gap is real. There's just a lot of gaps out here that I want to get your perspective on. Like, while there are accelerators and programs and 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 at a unprecedented level, right? Like mm-hmm. I have never seen this many grants, but also I wasn't really necessarily looking for them. But from what I know, there has never been this amount of grant money, accelerator money ever for right. us. And right. There's still so many holes and bridges. Yes. So what do you think? I don't know. Well, I think, I mean, there's a lot of things, right? I think that, I mean, personally, when I did, the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, it filled in so many of the gaps, but it also just showed me how far I have to go. It showed me like, girl, you've been f- messing this up for a long time. <laughs> you got you got to fix this. And in looking to, to try to fix it, I realized, you know what? It's better to actually pivot into this other thing that's adjacent, but you've got a chance to start over and do it now the right way and build it with a stronger foundation. And so that's interesting, but then there's also the biggest thing, like, where's the money? Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. girl, that's the other thing I learned. I was like, so you need a big old pile of money before you even start. Yes. Like, oh, gosh, I could be talking about this also all day long, you know. I, you know, rule of thumb for me and my team now, we don't even apply to anything that's not offering us a cash prize. Like, yes. Accelerator perspective, because what are you accelerating? How are you accelerating my business without giving me, if we know, this is the wild part to me. We, the main statistic that gets thrown around all the time is black women are the most underfunded or just black women entrepreneurs, black entrepreneurs in general, the most underfunded, most underfunded. Here's an accelerator program to get you the, it's like, no, 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 no. It's not that we don't have all of the answers. No one does, but it's not that we don't have enough information, right? Googleable information or just knowing other entrepreneurs like, knowledge and resource sharing. It's not that we don't have that. It's like, we know that the problem is being underfunded. So where's the money? Where are the funds to accelerate my business alongside the knowledge, the connections, the network, et cetera. So yeah, it seems like we know answers, but where are the people to kind of help and step up to the plate? Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of people who are stepping up and putting their money where their mouth is and it's greatly appreciated. But if all of that's been done and we're still not at 1%, yeah. Who else needs to chip in or what else needs to be done to kind of make it make sense? Yeah. Well, it's really um, unfortunate because I was just listening to this podcast about basically how uh crypto's a scam. <laughs> you know, okay. I'm Overall, gonna, right? You know. Whether you agree with it or not. It just hit me because I, I was thinking, you know, this person laid out how this could potentially be the biggest Ponzi scheme in, in the history, bigger than Madoff even. And how, according to the, if you go to the FCC, they lay out seven um, seven different points to see if something's a Ponzi scheme or if something's a fraud. And he said crypto has five of the seven points. <laughs> you know. And I'm bringing this up because there's so, think of all of the billions of dollars and millions of dollars that went into this idea that a couple of bros had that doesn't even exist. 
And look at all the real money that you and I are talking about. Real, actual, cold, hard cash that exchanges people's hands every single day and exchanges within our communities. And it's something that we know our communities need. It's like, I've been talking to these women. I know I can make it. I know exactly what they want. They're going to spend the money. They got the money to spend. Let's go. And there's nothing there for it. And that's what's so upsetting about it is it's like not even 1%, but these bros are, are selling trillions of dollars of a dream. Yeah, it it is interesting. I never really, I participated in the crypto conversation um, on a very surface level. A lot of what I was coming to understand about it, I just couldn't rationalize the time and effort it would take to really master that when I know I have real life problems right now. <laughs> Like when I have real life needs, like right now, like in this physical sense, it just didn't seem like the best allocation of my resources, time, energy at that particular time. But to your point, yeah, like I, I, I'm not understanding what it will take. I don't have that answer, um, quite yet, but I do know of a lot of amazing people who are trying to fight for that answer for us, which gives me hope. Right. And totally. these amazing um, CEOs and, and brand leaders and entrepreneurs tapping in and making it happen, you know that that reality can be attainable too, right? So that's just how I keep my head above the water. Yes. And, you know, I think that also the more we have these conversations, something else that I, I really learned in all the, the beauty research that I've been doing this year is that the products that we want for our communities are really products that are cross-cultural. Sure. Curly hair is curly hair. Melanin is melanin. Most people on this planet have melanin. <laughs> you know, there's a large market outside of, you know, the African-American market, the whole rest of the world, in fact. And I think that if we, as like the rest of us, can start to look at it as that and demand it as a whole, that's a lot more spending power. It's a lot more purchasing power. It's just a lot more power behind getting the things that we actually want. Yeah. I think there's a, there's power in segmentation. Mm -hmm. Like there's power in talking to a very specific client about a very specific and real need that they have. But I also think when you zoom in too far, you start to ignore some of the things that make us similar by focusing too much on our differences. When from a human lens, to your point, like we all have hair, it might just be different. We all have a need for food. Our preferences for food just might be different. We all have like at at a human level, there's things that we all inherently need. And I think when you laser focus too, too deep into the issue, you kind of miss out on the opportunities that come with um, just knowing that we have needs that need to be solved, et cetera. And I, so it, there's a, there's a double-edged sword some, somewhat, you know, it's positive and also can be potentially negative depending on how you look at it um, and where the opportunities lie. Yeah. I think that that's something that I really love about beauty in terms of if we were to say beauty v. fashion as an Mm. industry, I think that, you know, fashion is very exclusionary and beauty is always very inclusive, very, take it with a grain of salt, right? (laughs) But more so than fashion is is more inclusive. And it's something that I really love about it because to your point earlier about topicals, I, that's something that I love about their brand is it's, yes, it's black owned and yes, 
they are proud to be uh, people of color, but it's like all people of color are represented throughout their branding, which yeah. is like just makes sense because they're there. You know, their hero products are for hyperpigmentation. People of color all across the board. If you have any melanin in your skin, you're going to have hyperpigmentation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was looking at a little girl in Wegmans and Wegmans and Rite Aid the other day. And, you know, it's the summer she was wearing shorts and her knees were all scraped up and I could just see, I was like, this girl's having a fun summer, but I could see like so much hyperpigmentation on her legs. And it's like the first time as a professional, I could kind of see like, oh, if if as a mom, I could see my daughter do like this was happening, then I could get her like on a lactic acid lotion or like just like something to kind of like help with that scarring. But you just, we never really knew these things before, I think. And, And now that there's somebody like addressing specifically that, like, hey, people, I know what it is that you're dealing with. Here's a product that's going to help it. In fact, it's called Faded. <laughs> right, literally. It's going to do the cool job. <laughs> you got something under your eyes, you want to fade? Got, got, got that in your cheek. Yeah, no, totally. I think I love what I love about beauty versus fashion is unlike fashion, just the way that the world is turning right now, beauty consumers are the ones who are dictating what the brands are putting out, right? Like they're telling you we're sick of matte lipstick or we're sick. We want something else. We want glossy lips. Like lip category is out of here. I have never seen so many glossy, this glossy, that lipstick, this lipstick, that in a really, 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 really long time. And it's because the brands are listening to the consumers. Like we are like when we drive all of this as consumers, right? It's, it's so weird saying like we in a lot of different facets. It's like also I own a brand, but also I'm a consumer of beauty. But like the consumers of beauty have power, have the power. Because if a brand comes out with something that is completely off kilter, you know what happens. It just doesn't sell. Like no, And then they're like, oh, we made a mistake. So the brands that are doing it well are the brands who are listening to what their audiences want to buy. And then they're creating that. And then they're reiterating them based on what the specifications are or what feedback they receive. And like, boom, you have a winning product. And then you can do on to the next thing. So it, but unlike fashion, that's not necessarily happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I can't just say... Hey, this is a really bad example, but like, hey, Zara, like, I want to see the, 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 like, they're going to just sell me what they want to sell me. Like, yes. they're going to sell me on aspirations. And we all know how the fashion industry works. It, there, it's a, such a top down approach to what happens and the powers that be who are deciding the trends and how they show up in all these different ways, months or so, seasons or so later, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's a very prescriptive industry versus beauty does not work like that anymore. So yeah. I love being part of beauty because it just, it just, we're, we're consumers are democratizing the way in which it works now. And it's the, it's a really beautiful thing to see. Well, speaking of, I'd love to speak about your products category fragrance. I feel like fragrance is kind of exploding right now as a products category. And I feel like you are kind of at the, ahead of that explosion honestly like a little bit ahead of it and yeah yeah, just love to know your thoughts about like what's going on in in the product category these days what are you excited about yeah fragrance is wild like fragrance is fragrance it was time i think it was time for the fragrance world to have a little bit of a shaking up you know COVID, um, cause I won't say the end of the pandemic, like how others say, I just won't, because I know that 
some parts of the world are still dealing with very real pandemic-related issues. But at the height of COVID, we saw as an industry a peak in the fragrance and in fragrance interest among consumers because, for for lack of better words, we were all inside. We were all inside. Nobody was putting stuff on their face to go out and look good for anybody else, right? Like we were all inside and we were needing something to kind of rebel in and and consume us with, right? Or just have a way to escape some Mm -hmm. of the things that were just going on. So fragrance boomed, right? Fragrance, prestige fragrance sales in particular boomed at that time. And I think a lot of what had happened at the height of the pandemic is still apparent now where fragrance is maybe not so much a tool for escapism anymore, but it is definitely a tool for self-expression. And I think people realize the true power that lie within scent and how it has an ability to trigger an emotion or trigger a mood or help you feel something or remember something or just feel like a different person even for a moment or whatever. Like it has that power because our sense of smell is our strongest sense. So it was time for the fragrance industry to kind of have a a reawakening because unlike, well, similar to how fashion is very prescriptive, fragrance is very prescriptive as well because a lot of people don't realize most of those scents are being uh, dictated by the fashion houses. Mm. Your Dior scents, your um, Givenchy scents, right? It's a fashion ideology infused into a beauty product. So it's still prescriptive and it's still aspirational. They're not going to tell you how to use it. They're not going to tell you. It's just, it's just a thing. And a lot of people don't also realize that fragrance, especially prestige luxury fragrance, is an entry point into those these houses, mm. right? Fragrance and sunglasses are the two most, I think, accessible entry points to these luxury fragrance houses because their price points are much lower than, say, grabbing a uh, ready-to-wear outfit. You're going to spend between 100 and 200, whatever dollars is an easy entry point. So there hadn't been a reason to change the industry until mm. I think the height of the pandemic. There hadn't been a reason because people weren't even understanding exactly why they were buying what they were buying. They just were buying. So with, with, with that, you know, I think the consumer, the modern day consumer, the younger consumer, whether you like to call a millennial, Gen Z, whatever is demanding change. And that starts with one why are we advertising fragrance this way? Why doesn't it make sense? Why aren't you actually telling me what's inside of this $100 to $200 bottle of liquid that you want me to purchase and put on my body? Why aren't you telling me what the ingredients are? Why aren't we having some conversation about, do we need to have an ingredient uh, revolution like how clean beauty, you know, in air quotes has had in other categories, you know, the consumer is quote unquote woke. Okay. Mm -hmm. They are demanding answers and they're the most educated consumer cohort uh, in a really, really long time. So, you know, brands that are finding success these days are questioning the status quo and reinventing it in ways that are making sense for the consumer of today. And I think Mudo is we're lucky to be a part of that conversation. And I think we're lucky to be amongst the earliest in the indie space to, to make that kind of move. You know, um, we were talking about this stuff back in 2017, 2017, 2018, prior to even launching in 2021, took three years to package all those ideas and those questions and those, and that skepticism and that anger and that frustration with the beauty industry and package it polished into a neat way to launch a brand and three or three or so years later, right? It took us all that time, but 
I, I do think we were amongst the first to even think, think this way. So it's nice to see some of the early successes that we've had from daring to just be different. And I saw it's the most cliche thing ever, but I, I think it's the best way to summarize what, what we've been experiencing. So tell us again, what makes Mudo different from other fragrance? First, I, my mind was just blown. I didn't put, I never, nobody had ever told me that before about fragrances and how it's connection to fashion. And as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, wait a second. <laughs> but I literally, as soon as you said it, I was like, of course, Chanel number five. Like it made perfect sense. Like, yeah. and it, my, all of my fashion history that like, came flooding back to me, but I'd never thought about it in that sense. And like, yeah, thinking yeah, just, I love that. I love that you were able to put that together and you were like, somebody should do something about this. And I guess it's going to be me. It's very subliminal. <laughs> you know, it's very subliminal because you don't have to explain fashion. It's so visual. And I think what had had been happening in, in years and decades and centuries prior, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm talking Western world philosophy with fragrance in particular, um, Eastern in the sense that like, all of these fashion uh, brands are, you know, European, et cetera. But like, I'm talking like in general, like overall, right? You don't have to explain fragrance because you saw the visual component of the fashion and the, and fragrance was seen as that, 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 that counterpart. Oh, you can't buy this $1,500 blazer, but you can smell like it. You can smell like someone who would purchase a $1,500 blazer. Girl. So with that, I don't have to explain to you what's inside of this. I don't have to explain to you how sustainable it is. I don't have to explain to you how we made it. I don't even, I don't have to do, I don't even have to explain to you how to wear it because fragrance has not come with directions as of yet until I think some of these indie brands like us have come along. We we weren't explaining how to even use the damn thing. We were it, just saying buy the shit. Well, it was like, oh, so, put put it on your uh, on your pressure points because well, I'm not really sure why, but that's what exactly. you just do. It's just been like, <laughs> do this. Don't ask questions until you can afford this fifteen hundred dollar blazer that you want to smell like, or you know. And when you said that, the, I'm beaming from ear to ear because one of my favorite products. I love it because it works. It like it, it fulfills that um, practical need, but the emotional sense that I get from it, in the packaging, and in the way that it smells, and what the way that I describe it to people, it's my hair products, Orbe Baby. Love mm -hmm. that shit. Oh, it looks rich, and I smell rich when I wear it. When I do my hair. And you're going to be loyal to that because of the feeling that you get from from using that product. Yes, and girl, could I tell you what the notes are? Absolutely not. I smelled it on myself and I said, girl, you smell rich right now. This is you for the rest of your life. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, yes. it can't even, when, so when you said that, I was just like, oh, you, you just, so you work in the industry, huh? <laughs> so you picked up on that. <laughs> it's just like, it, it's, it's, it's wild. And I, and I was, I was talking, um, I was on a, another, another podcast not too long ago and I, and I was talking to them about, you know, as a former full-time journalist, I'm torn in a lot of ways because as much as I love storytelling, I, I love marketing, right? And you need marketing to run a successful business. And yes, I would like for my business to make money. Like, yes, I will say that on this podcast today. Yes. Who wouldn't? I mean, why am I- This is America, capitalism. Right? You're in business. I have to make money. I have to, <laughs> right? Um, but, but I'm torn in a lot of ways because ethics. In journalism, we abide by a code of ethics. 
similarly to other professions, like with doctors and nurses and anyone in the medical profession, they have a code of ethics that they go by, and that's to do no harm to people. And I think that there's a lack of ethics when it comes to uh, capitalism, sure, but also marketing in general. The end goal is to sell this thing. How we do it is how we do it, right? And I think the fragrance world, beauty in general, but in particular fragrance has not had a code of ethics. We're just selling for the sake of selling and we're just doing for the sake of doing. And there's a real harm that can come of that when you're talking and you're selling to especially younger consumers, you know, where their minds are still being influenced and molded by what they're consuming through their phones and on television and what they're hearing, you know. And that's also when brand loyalty starts to develop, when you got your own money to start spending. So if I know this, all of this information, I, as the founder and CEO of a company, I feel indebted to doing the least harm as possible. And you cannot talk about harm in the beauty industry just from a product standpoint. You have to talk about harm in all ways, shapes, forms, and facets. And that also includes marketing. Companies like Dove have understood this and they have the Dove and the Crown Act and they, you know, they, they're realizing that we have a duty to do as, as least amount of harm as possible, if not any harm at all. And I think that's also where the industry is going. And, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that more people understand the implications of not only their, their products, but their words and their actions and how they're selling them because it really matters. Okay, so with all that being said, tell us, uh, I know you've got a new um, scent coming out. Very yeah, exciting. Yes. yes, we do have a new scent out. Um, and it, it's called Punk Star. Um, it's, it's, I, I love Worthy. Worthy is our first scent. And we are also, we're doing a slow, slow crawl with rolling out products because intentionality. Also, we don't want to contribute waste and we want to make things that people want, right? So slow crawl. Worthy, Worthy is amazing. Worthy is award winning. Punk Star is, is equally amazing. Um, and I think it really solidifies the things that make Mudo different. Um, not just from a product, but also a brand standpoint. So, Punk Star um, is our first true, I guess, if you want to say true, true, true unisex genderless scent. Mm. And I say that because of the note story that um, it includes. It is definitely um, a scent that includes um, some of the more edgier notes, right? So it has leather, it has tonka, it has moss, it has cedar wood, it has black currant, it has red raspberry, it has green apple, it has honeysuckle, it has... A lot of things that don't swing either either way on that pendulum. It, it it is a lot of the things that are grunge but glam, sensual but but fun and flirty, and and it, it's just a hodgepodge of like what I would say the modern day rock star smells like. And we're all about helping people flaunt how they feel and accessorize their mood and. I think that everyone has an inner rock star, inner rebel that they are just dying to unleash. And given the power of our sense of smell and fragrance in general, like we put our best foot forward with creating something that uh, embodies those sentiments and it's been doing well. I, that sounds really delicious. All of those scent, all of those notes that you just laid out because I love a deep, complex, um, earthy, uh, everything. I like a deep, all of those things for wine, coffee. <laughs> yes, it's a mature scent. Yeah. It's mature, but it's still fun. It's still fun. And, you know, I guess another 
thing that would make it unique, but also our brand unique. We don't we don't subscribe to the the masculine feminine thing. Like we're still trying to, and this is like low key. We're still trying to find a better way to communicate the the aura or the essence of a scent. Because how the fuck can and this? Excuse my French, y'all. I I be cursing like a sailor. <laughs> but how can rose the plant be feminine? How can sandalwood the wood be masculine like why are we why are we assigning gender roles to nature yeah it's it's weird it's kind of like really like weird yeah and i get it from a from a surface level perspective of just helping people understand but like we want to debunk all of that we want to eradicate all gender roles philosophies because it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day when it comes to something so personal as a fragrance it's about what you feel Mm mm-hmm how do you want to smell? What do you like? What notes excite you? Right? Totally. So with Punk Star, I mean, the 50 mil is in a pink neon box uh, and the travel size is in a baby blue box. So playing on those gender roles a little bit as a, like a little cheeky nod of like, so what? Like this scent is just, it's for everybody, you know? So we 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 try to be a little snarky and cheeky in very subliminal ways about it. But I, I'm really excited about it. And we'll have to send it. If you have not smelled it, we, ha- we have to send it Yes, please. You have to have it. Yes. You have to. No, I would love it. And you know what's so interesting about what you were just saying is that um, in terms of uh, nature having gender roles, right? Yeah. Tobacco as a scent, tobacco, what is it, an amber? And as an essential oil. It smells so sweet. Tobacco. It is. It doesn't, yeah, tobacco doesn't smell the way that you think that it smells because they call it this must, this masculine thing. Tobacco smells like vanilla. It's very sweet. sweet. And it, I mean, I guess people are, when they think of that tobacco, I think they're thinking of like, when it's in a finished product. Well, it's because of the way that we've been taught, like men chew tobacco. So tobacco smells rough, but it's in reality, if we take the gender away from it, you would never know. You'd never smell that and be like, that smells like tobacco because of what you've been taught. But it kind of exactly what you're saying is there's no gender when it comes to scent. There's it's we've been trained to believe that it's that gender smells a certain way. Correct. But things just smell good or bad. Yeah, there's there's actually, you know, how that like fragrance in general um, never used to be that way. Like it, it, it there's a very particular point in history, um, and I'm not going to butcher the date or the time frame, but historians can allude to a very specific point in history where it became a marketing tactic to split up scent and to categorize it as masculine and feminine. Like, it's purely marketing driven. Like, it doesn't matter what side of the shelf you shop from in our book. It's whatever you like. Um, And that goes back to the ethics conversation like how damaging psychologically down the line not just fragrance but beauty in general could this be to people who may feel isolated or may feel um ridiculed or um put down for what they just like yes like men shouldn't wear makeup yes like you know what i'm saying yeah how damaging that is that or like that smells girly what happened? Or like if somebody was to say that smells girly, like that's the yeah, dumbest thing I've ever like, heard. Like, what do you mean? Listen, I smell girly. Like, <laughs> I could be like someone say I identify as a male and say I I've picked up a 
quote unquote feminine fragrance that I just thought was the best thing ever. And then you walk in a room and someone's like, you smell fruity. You know how damn it I would put like the likelihood of me never wearing that again because of what you thought about me and like mm-hmm. how that made me feel that you thought I da 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 you know mm-hmm. like how damaging is that and who gives a damn mm-hmm. who cares so I'm just really out here trying to help people reclaim <laughs> their sense of self and accessorize their mood how however in whichever way they see fit um without without with doing less as harm as possible right and from a product story from marketing story etc like who cares mm-hmm. who cares. Yeah. Smell good. Bye. If you don't, whatever. Yeah. Like, who cares? Yeah. And I think that the best thing, and I actually recently learned this, uh, you and I were speaking about it the first time that you were on the show, but I really just started playing around with this is, is layering scent. Do you know? I like, love a layering. Moment. Yes. Like my deodorant smells. I, I've been using this Corpus deodorant. I'm sure you know about Corpus. You are educating me. Oh my my deodorant, I've Girl. I've just gotten over to the saltier world and I, I I yeah. Okay, well I'm gonna send you I'm gonna send you some uh, I'm gonna send you the link because I found them when I was doing research for the uh, natural deodorant episode that we did a little bit ago. And it turns out that they're really more of a fragrance company, actually. But I really don't like fragrance, honestly. I don't like scents in any of my products. And so I was looking to get an unscented pro- uh, one of their deodorants. And they're like, bitch, nice try. This is what we do. And so I was so pleasantly surprised. <laughs> they have actually these little, you can get a sampler and you can get like three of the little deodorants um, for a pretty reasonable price. I was so happily surprised that like the... Just how, just the scent period. And that now I can mix that with the different perfumes that I'm wearing with my Orbe that I was just telling you about mm-hmm. to create like a scent that is uniquely Elizabeth. Isn't it fun? Yes. It's fun. Yes. It's so, fun. it's so fun. I nerd out about it all time, but I think, uh, there's, uh, I could talk about this all day, but like, it's fun to experiment with your products but also to get and gather recommendations from others. So you just told me something that I'm now I'm out to go look up and now I'm about to be a consumer of theirs. But like, I will say um, in years past, we might not have been having this conversation just about sharing what we like because it's been so gatekept. Like, especially yes, Espe- like, yes, this is mine. Yes. This is my signature scent. I don't want all y'all to be smelling like me. Like people like gatekeep the like, it's like, like have a padlock on their, vanity yes right like no you can't know but now it's such a complete shift like with with like perfume talk and 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 fragrance talk like everyone wants to share and they're like layer this with that to get this and that and they're like really um it's really having a moment yeah yeah i think it goes back to what you were saying and i'm gonna let you go because i know we're getting a little bit long here but i love what you're saying because it's so true that scent is the it's our repeat it it's our number one most it's our oh, strongest yeah, our sense of smell is our strongest <laughs> sense you know yes yeah, so most impactful i think our sense of smell is our strongest sense i always forget that and it's so true and i think that has a lot to do with it in terms of everything that we've all just gone through you know in terms of just being surviving right and looking mm-hmm. to the different things that like ground us and that bring us back to earth and that remind us that we're here and scent is has a lot to do with that yeah, I, I think so. It's, it's a personal experience, but it's also universal. And that what I wear may not smell like what 
it, it's something that I'm wearing may not smell the same on you. And I think that's also what makes it beautiful and, and unique, you know, and shout outs to Glossier for their debut scent, you. And, and I believe some of the marketing behind it is like, you are the missing ingredient because it's true. Like this scent is going to smell different on everyone. And that's not just with that scent, all of it. Yeah. All of it. Do you want to talk about the Sephora accelerator or no? Yeah, well, we are a part of the 2023 Sephora Accelerate Program class. So the program wrapped, what was that, June. So we're, we've been out of it for a little bit of a month or so now, but it was really an amazing opportunity, I think, um, to have that cosign from a retailer such as Sephora and knowing that, like, yeah, we are doing something that is unique and deserving of attention, but also support in a myriad of different ways. Um, and the other participants in our class this year, um, equally, equally amazing. Like I've learned something from every single person that participated in that program, which I wouldn't say is surprising, but I would say it's refreshing that we're all just as determined to grow together and we're all building something worthwhile, um, alongside one another. Um, and so it's honestly been one of the most impactful programs that I've been a part of. Um, And obviously, who wouldn't want the opportunity to potentially land a deal with the Sephora, right? So there's also that, that, that part, you know, so that's exciting to have had that opportunity to pitch to them in that particular way. So, well, you know, more to come, more to come. If you're interested in learning more about Mudo and our fragrance label, you can find us at Mudo.com. You can also pop into a local Credo Beauty store and sample and um, sniff our scents on shelf at Credo Beauty. We're also sold online through Credo Beauty. So if you go to the store and you're like, oh, this smells good, but I don't want to get it right quite now, you can also purchase on Credo. Um, you can find us on social media at Mudo Official, and that's M-O-O-D-E-A-U-X Official. We have the same TikTok handle, Twitter. We're Mudo. I don't know how long we're going to be on Twitter because who knows what's going on over there or X or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. It's creepy. And I hope that doesn't come back to bite me in the butt, but I am not Twitter fan right now. I don't know what's going on. Um, and then what else can you find us? YouTube, Mudo, um, but mainly Instagram and TikTok. So Mudo official on both of those platforms, Mudo.com. Subscribe to our email for a coupon code if you're interested. Okay, baddies, we said it at the top of the show, but I just wanted to remind you that this is Black Business Awareness Month. That's stupid. This is... I mean, I guess it's an awareness, but I feel like people are aware. Y'all know that we're out here trying to make some money, trying to build businesses for our communities, trying to do all these things for all of us, right? So just a little highlight. I actually got this from uh, the 15% Pledge Instagram. Black Business Month was established in 2004 by entrepreneurs Frederick Jordan and William John William Templeton to drive the policy agenda for Black entrepreneurs. And this month-long celebration recognizes the resilience of Black entrepreneurs in overcoming obstacles. So supporting Black businesses is crucial in the efforts to close the wealth and wage gaps between Black and white families. Black children are three times as likely to live in poverty than white children. And 42% of Black families own their homes compared to almost 73% of white families. So how and where you put your money matters. So we would love if you would just go out there and find a black business that's in your community on the interwebs. There are so many ways to find them. And just, you know, put your dollar where your mouth is. Show the world, show these 
um, incredible entrepreneurs, that you support them, that you're here for them, that you understand and uh, recognize their brilliance and their resilience. And yeah, just, you know, dollar here, dollar there, whatever you can do. It's hard out here. And, you know, for all entrepreneurs, period. But we're trying really hard to build something for for our community. And my community is black, white, everything in between. Um, we're, we're always here to celebrate everybody. Just this month happens to be, you know, shout out to the black folks. Go give, give them their dollar. Also, with that being said, y'all, you know that I'm not always on the interweb, so I'm not always aware of who we're celebrating each month. So let your girl know. If you know that there's something that we're celebrating in a month or a group of people or somebody that needs our community to lift up their voices because they don't have access or the availability to raise their own. Let your girl know so so we can induct somebody into the Beauty Baddie Hall of Fame so we can give some shout outs to some great brands that are making incredible things. I always want to expand and build this community. It's a multicultural community. We're living in a multicultural world. So let your girl know so that we can all raise each other up. Y'all know that I love you so, so much. So again, if you found value in today's show, please do me a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this right now to help to grow this community. As always, you can DM or email your listener letters, your beauty baddie moments of the week, your beauty baddie Hall of Fame inductions into uh, Instagram into. (laughs) You can DM me on Instagram at the True Beauty Podcast, or you can hit me up on my personal Instagram account. I'm at the Braun Elizabeth Taylor. You can email me truebeautypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to check out Brianna and Mudo at Mudo Official on Instagram. Check them out at Credo Beauty. Visit them online. You can use uh, today to, you know, support a black business. Go ahead and support our girl, Brianna. Get, get you some punk star. Get you some worthy. Get you something delicious to smell. <laughs> you can make a virtual skincare appointment at TrueBeautyBrooklyn.com. And that's it. I love you, baddies, so much. I'll see y'all next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.